Remember, that's why it's why I was saying the other show. Don't let every man hit the bottom of your vagina, the root of your vagina. Mm -hmm. They don't know about the bottom. They don't, they don't know, know about the bottom. The bottom so. when, but see, every man may not know because he might not have a penis to really know how to hit that bottom or how to lift to hit that bottom and work that middle with a woman. She spread her legs wide and she starts screaming, saying, "Yeah, daddy, that's it." Or she might start cursing or screaming out all types of profanities because he doesn't hit the bottom. And now her mind, she is saying her mind ain't good because the penis done ejaculated all in her brain. She's gone crazy. So you don't let every man hit your bottom and your body remembers it. Just like a man will put a woman over doggy style or maybe get a mirror or something. Then they start hitting that woman from the back or on her back. She is speaking from a traumatized place, child. They start saying all a traumatized place. And see, that woman is being seduced. She's being seduced. He's breaking her down, man. He, he is screwing her into submission. He's screwing her into slavery by using the penis as a weapon to break her ass down. Welcome to the Black Sublime Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Haberdashery, a.k.a. Aeolus White, a.k.a. They don't know about the bottom, child. They don't know. Um, <laughs> that clip I found on Twitter. And let me just say this. I was dying, cackling for... Um, probably a couple of days. Like, I would look at it. I Me, mean, obviously not continuously, but I would look at it every motherfucking time because the, the, the visual is important. Like, y'all have to see this video. Um, it was, I don't even know, like, you know, Twitterverse doesn't really credit things well, but it's on People's TV, which I'm assuming is a public access thing. And it's these two women talking about this, and I remember just being like, and there's more uh, there's more to it that's only about a minute of it and you know shout out to black queens hey talking about sexuality and being direct you know i remember well this is completely not what i was going to talk about today i remember i was at this um bell hooks meet a conversation this was probably like Oh, 2012, 2013, um, Laverne Cox was there. And Bell said something that I... That whole shit was amazing, by the way. Um, and that just goes to show you how long I've been trying to get my shit together. Because that was, I mean, eight years ago about to be that I was, you know, going to shit, you know. But anyway, so maybe it was less than... Maybe it was like seven years ago. But... Bell Hook said this thing. She was like, y'all all talking about the ass, the booty. Like, in culture, the booty and, you know, the cakes, you know, are, I'm, I love cakes. But the cakes are lifted up, particularly in, like, heterosexual sexuality. Like, people really like the cakes. But the celebration of ass, you know, instead of the celebration of vagina is a... It struck her as a bit misogynistic because, or not misogynistic, but just watered down sexuality. It's like the ass as a proxy to what actually makes her, what actually makes, well, and this is probably controversial now, you probably couldn't say this now, but 
then she was saying what makes a woman a woman, like the actual genitalia. Like we are, as men, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about other things like, you know, titties or ass and or the shape, the silhouette, but not actually dealing with the truth of sexuality. And I remember being interested by that because to some, I mean, to, it wasn't really my business again because, you know, it's not really the case for my sexual orientation, but just that concept of liking, of appreciating women for the aesthetic of womanhood, but not actually for the literal um, body. And I bring that up to say that watching these two women really discuss their interpretation or their experiences about the bottoms of their vaginas and that whole thing, I just really enjoyed because they're older black women just like they're going to a Bible study, which is why it's fucking hilarious. And y'all need to find that shit if you have not. Um, But aside from that, it's just really dope to me to have that come to hear that language about sexuality. About female sexuality. Um, What... And y'all gonna have to excuse me because I am drinking tea. I'm drinking tea this afternoon, which is fine. You know, I'm not doing any. I'm not. There's no alcohol in her. It's just regular tea. I realize that I probably drink so extra. I I know I do. I do a lot of extra shit that I don't even know is extra. And I know the way I drink tea is extra. I already fucking know. I know because the way that I prepare tea is extra. Like, I fucking put, I put my tea bag, this is ridiculous, I put my tea bag in the kettle, right, and boil it. And I know that I'm at the risk, I run the risk of singeing the leaves, which would give it a little bit of a harsher taste. I know that, but I do it anyway because I don't like to have my tea, to wait for my tea bag to sit, to see, particularly if it's not a herbal tea. Like, if this, this is just a regular Earl Grey so it's not like I'm doing some peppermint shit where I wouldn't want to, I really wouldn't want to burn the leaves or whatever. But this, I do that, and then I make two cups. I put, I, first of all, I fill my, I pre-fill, I pre-measure the water needed so I don't have to waste time with, you know, my tea being boiled. Take, so I will pour water in my, in my teacup. And then I pour that water into the actual kettle. So I do two of those so I can have two exact cups with a little bit of evaporation, right? Then I put my tea back in there, boil that shit, wait till it makes noise. Before I do that, I put a little, maybe like two two little crystals of salt in the cups with some oat milk and some honey. And a little bit of that Madagascar... Um, Madagascar vanilla um, vanilla bean joint. Then I pour, I make my two cups of tea, clean my kettle, and drink my one cup. Wait for it to cool. Drink one, then drink the other. So it's back to back. I leave one on the stove, you know, just so it doesn't get too cold. Even though my stove is off, so that does nothing. But whatever. So I know the way I drink it is extra because the way I make it is fucking extra as shit, okay? Um, So apologies. When I heard this clip, though, when I heard the clip, it started, I started to think through, but it reminded me of a lot of shit that I'm going through right now. And, you know, I'm not going to, 
do too much in terms of like philosophy. I'm gonna try to like skim over that, but I've been having this conversation with myself and others just about how you know delicate the idea of self is, like how changeable um, we are, pliable, mutable, whatever words you want to use. We are. And then I started to realize that that might not be a we thing. That could just be a me thing. Um, in that, you know, I'm infinitely, well, not infinitely, I don't want to gas myself up, but I am fairly expansive. Um, and then I started thinking about the clip more and about the, the, the crux of it just being about deep penetration and how it, vulnerability and how your rational capacities can be compromised by bomb ass dick or you know just by situations or whatever and then it just reminded me about my rebrand as a vulnerable person um and i think i just wanted to talk about that today or a sensitive person is really the rebrand but whatever so once upon a time not that motherfucking long a motherfucking go, okay? Once upon a time, I was... My brand was not as a sensitive girl. Um, and by brand, I mean what people thought of me. And even what I projected. So the union, honestly, of majority... The majority's thought about me and what I put out in the universe. And, you know, bi-sensitive, in this context, I mean vulnerable. I mean affected by things that I perceived, um, particularly as slights against me or others. Now, a lot of that is tied to masculinity as a concept and it's interesting because you think about I think about you know queer folks black folks and the whole conversation about masculinity is very very it's nuanced and it's complicated so I'm gonna try to avoid a lot of that in this conversation but from my perspective I see these other, you know, intersections or, you know, these other qualifiers such as black and queer as factors that modify masculinity, but also heightens or potential that has the potential to heighten the dysfunction. So it's not the case that, okay, because you're a minority, like because you're black and you've experienced being othered, that when you combine black and masculinity, it gives you a nuanced, like it makes you more accepting of others. It could, but a lot of times when you think about black masculinity, you're really multiplying or seeming, I don't want to say multiplying because I don't want to make it a, a, a matter of like, I don't want to compare it to white masculinity. So, you know, but you're really adding another level where, you know, the history of black masculinity has been troubled by white supremacy and slavery and 
reconstruct and everything, you know, white people have fantasized and propagandized about black men forever. Um, so it's, you know, there's that. And then it's like the sort of backlash to that where the black community wants to be sure black, what we tell our, well, at a certain time. So I'm really talking about like 40s to like 70s, 80s. Where the culture of black men have to be a certain way, you know, you have to sort of react to the both the emasculation, whatever the word, emasculation. I'm not sure. I want to say whatever, but the attempt to um, emasculate men—that's uh, not the right word, but it's fine. Um, black men. In terms of resources, in terms of protecting family, in terms of having the capacity to protect or guarantee um, safety or security and health and prosperity in their home. But then you have this weird sexual element that, you know, is there. And this is me kind of getting Freudian, I guess. I don't know, but we all know the tea. We are to see, and I really wish I had the the stats on. You know, Pornhub needs to really release some stats. Okay, I want to know how many white men look at you know big black cocks fucking their women. I want to know that. You know, I want to know what a popular. I want to see the stats. Okay, so we know that there's that sexual homoerotic undercurrent with that, and it's as old as day. I mean, it's as old as time, or whatever the term is. It's old as fuck. We know. So you have a romanticizing, weird fetishization on one side that's sexual and primal. Then you have this other side that's systematic and rational and whatever you want to call it, not irrational, but just strategic about cap and capitalist, you know, about this thing. And it's like, well, black men have had to figure out how to engineer our own masculinity out in the in this context and sometimes we've done a good job and sometimes we haven't then you have the queer element which you would think well if you're a minority here maybe your motherfucking ass would come but have some sympathy you wouldn't be misogynistic you wouldn't say and honestly if, i mean by definition of queer as we've talked about for me i queer Queer generously incorporates, like in my mind at least, um, a sort of liberated thought. But outside of that, like the definition of just being same sex or have a sexuality or gender expression that is fringe or whatever you want to say on a non, like an apolitical queer identity, um, you would think, you know, you'd have some sympathy there, you wouldn't, you know, and you would. So, you know, like I said, not be misogynistic or whatever. But we see that that's not the case. We see black queer men be misogynistic. We see black queer men take on, um, take on the the characteristics that are associated with patriarchal masculinity, and choose not to subvert it, just perform it in a different way. So I say all this to say, well, yeah, for me. You know, what I did was not necessarily, you know, I didn't say, okay, I'm queer. This is an opportunity to push the boundaries of um, 
the core tenets of masculinity, i.e. like protecting others, um, a willingness to be violent, which I mean is my personal belief. I don't want to project that on other people, but I think um, I think masculinity in a patriarchal society that is a core tenet of it, a willingness to be violent, a sort of unbotheredness unless you are angry, um, uh, being unaffected unless you are angry, unless you're ex- a willingness to express rage, um, but not other things. And, you know, I've experienced this and I've, in my own way, with my own modifications, projected that. So when, you know, bullying or even outside of bullying, conflict, confrontation, whatever, you know, I might project a little bit of that or I might project like a botheredness in the context of anger. But truthfully speaking, I'm not really quick to anger. I'm really not. Well, here's what I should say. I should say in projecting an unaffectedness, so a lack of not being sensitive, a.k.a. not being affected by what I perceive, a lot of things became difficult and became solely performance. One was anger. I really didn't care about a lot of the things. Um, a lot of what I it was. I'm generally hard to move to anger, but you know, even in that context, I was hard. With that, I was hard to move to anger for our hard to anger um, for different reasons. Just for a, a as a result of a general dullness or a dulling of my nervous, you know, sort of system, if you will, or emotional, you know, whatever. Um, and I realized that, you know, in me, that dulling sensation, um, because I performed it so well and it became to affect my selfhood, this goes back to the little thing that I said at the beginning about the self being more, you know, changeable than you think, you know, I was performing it and before I knew it, I was a bit more dull than, you know, than I had been. And then I started to have this intellectual conversation with myself about ethics. Well, I guess just not moral conversation, whatever. Yo, this tea fucking slaps. When I say it slaps, if I had some ice, I mean, it's cold, so fuck that. But anyway. Um... Yeah, this conversation with the about ethics with myself, like, yo, on one hand, you want to be unaffected by shit. The next, you, but justice you care about, fairness you care about, advocacy you care about, not just because it's part of who you, not just because you had an orientation toward these things as young, for as long as you can remember, you also remember you carry the pain of people not protecting you. That's uh, that's part of your you know mod- that's part of your DNA at this point. Of your you know you that is a lot of your trauma not being protected, not being advocated for, you know, not being defended. And now you want to now as a result, you are putting yourself, you are becoming the people that you hated because you have you know, decided to be unaffected by things. And sometimes, 
you cannot mount an impassioned defense of another person if you are unaffected by what you perceive. You know, it it becomes performance. It becomes, you know, and and to be honest, this is also kind of a tangent. I think that's what we're suffering from as a culture right now. You know, it's hard to do both. It's hard to be cool, unbothered, and then be, you know, impassioned and angry and inspired to change. And a lot of what happens is niggas just get on name. It becomes very performative, and social media allows for that performance. So you can just get on your, your phone, your Twitter, your Insta, and talk your shit, get your shit off, and, and all of it, and, you know, did your performance of the day. You get your flowers, and then you get to go home and be trash. Or not even just be trash, be dull, be whatever the fuck, whatever. But you know what? This is a tangent, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to get back to what I was saying. I saw that Obama was canceling cancel culture, essentially, which a lot of people were happy about it. Or there was comments, commentary about his comments about canceling um, cancel culture, or about him not liking cancel culture. And I do want to say this. Social media allows for collective action. And I think I've said this before in the context of Jay-Z. It allows for collective action, collective conversation. And an effort to enact collective accountability. It is imperfect because it doesn't parlay to collective action all the time. But this, I see it as the beginning of the formation of a network of similar-minded people. And the beginning is often imperfect. The beginning is often imperfect of all things like this, from grassroots organizations to, you know, even organizing a protest. When you first start doing it, people show up at the wrong places, wrong times. You know, I don't, you know, canceling cancel culture is... is well, he didn't cancel it. He just spoke against it. Is a bit of a is dumb to me, and it's a misuse of power and, and influence. Um, sharpening the tool, I think, is what we should do because that's what that's what his, history has taught us, right? But okay. So back to the impassioned defense thing. So I realized that I couldn't both. I couldn't be a real advocate and and heal from my own trauma and and not become the enemy. You know, as a I read somewhere that as an adult, your goal, I mean, one of your goals should be to become what you needed as a child, to become what you needed as a young adult. You know, how can you when you see yourself becoming the opposite of that, you must check yourself. So then I was like, okay, so clearly this unaffected shit isn't working. And then I had to really reflect, well, to what extent were you actually unaffected? You know, sometimes I genuinely was unaffected because I'm kind of aloof and I do my own thing. And I know a lot of the times my confidence and my ability to be violent or my ability to protect myself or whatever, you know, allows me to, re- I can rest on it and in a way that is toxic probably or can be toxic in certain situations. But... Um, when I think about, I guess, when I think about my 
he, my capacity to heal others and, you know, the nature of my ability to read other people and my, the social messaging, uh, collaborative parts of my identity that were stifled by this, this willingness to project an unbotheredness, um, I realized that I'm very sensitive. I'm extremely sensitive. And I'm extremely affected by what I hear and see. And I store everything and I remember everything. And I review my life a hundred times and I build narratives and, you know, I profile the fuck out of people. I, I, I put things together in a way that tells their story, helps me understand who they are. You know, I don't, when I'm paying attention, which is a thing, you know, I, sometimes I don't pay any, I mean, that's a struggle that I have. Um, but when I'm paying attention, I remember everything that's being said. And, you know, yeah, I just feel like, it's a lie. Well, it was partially untrue that I would, that I, well, see, that's the thing. That's why the self conversation is interesting because, you know, the, the, the fact that the self is changeable, it calls into question what is true about the self and what is not. So it's, you know, a lot of times you'll go back and you'll say, well, for, I'll go back and I'll say, well, maybe I wasn't really sensitive or maybe I, you know, wasn't really like this urge to talk about myself in a a sort of black and white, true or untrue basis. And what I'm understanding about myself is that what is true is that I can become anything. Or, you know, I'm sure there's qualifications, but I can be, I can become, like, when it's going to come down to, like, traits, like, vulnerable or not, sensitive or not, I can activate and deactivate portions of myself that are maybe underneath the the, the major quality that I'm describing. So maybe it's something about attention, for example, when I say that I'm sensitive, maybe I, and what I'm saying is that I pay attention less and I can modify how much attention I pay to make me appear less sensitive or something like that. That's what I mean by like underneath. Um, And I can change these things. And I think what's that, it's good in some ways, but it's also really bad because you can actually become the person that you hated you can actually, like, there is no part of you that will save you. Like, and I think there's a myth. The myth is that you can be trash and that there's some part of you, some hero part of you that will remain good and will come to your aid when it's time to be good, when it's time to be a father, when it's time to be a husband, when it's time to be a friend. You know, that you can be trash and then in this context, you, you will be right. But no. You know, and th- by the time this the context happens, that part of you, that hero part of you might not be activated. It might not be there. And you're going to have to dig deep to activate, you know, the mechanisms beneath it to try to get a result that works. And you might fail. Now you're a trash father. Now you're a trash husband. Now you're a trash lover. Now you're a trash friend. 
because you wanted to practice some dumbass shit for 20-something years. Um, but yeah, so part of my rebrand, and this is not something that I'm starting. I've been rebranded this. But, you know, in my life, I you know when I go to job work, I tell them that I'm a sensitive person. And sensitive doesn't mean, you know, you say something to me and I'm going to cry in the corner. Because that's not, I've never been that girl. But you say something to me that's crazy. You go, something's going, I might smile and then tell you kindly that you need to watch your mouth. But you need to watch your mouth. <laughs> because I'm not the one. Or like, and then when something, when a coworker is not doing well, I check in because I see it and I should say something. Or when someone's not feeling, like I said, not feeling well, or someone's upset, or, you know, a guest isn't feeling well, or, you know, I don't know. I act on that perception and I allow myself to be affected and I will say in my life today you know it has completely revolutionized well I should say it has infused my daily life with more positive energy more opportunities for joy more opportunities for gratitude than I've experienced in a long time. It's funny because I was talking to someone this weekend and they were like, well, they basically thought that I wasn't doing that well. Like I was managing, I was managing my life or like I was just getting by essentially. And, you know, I didn't argue it because I don't care. I mean, see, and this, this is where I genuinely don't care. But I didn't care because... There's so much joy in in the like I'm experiencing things so richly that it's almost beyond my ability to use language, particularly in a conversation like that. It's kind of like I, whatever, and how people are coming to know me in this stage in my life as someone with the capacity for extreme kindness. And that's really what I want. Like when I thought about what I want people to to know about me, as I want someone, I want people to know my capacity for kindness, um, how I care about, how I advocate for others. I want them to know how I feel about justice and fairness. I want them to know that I have a capacity for cruelty, which is kind of fucked up and maybe I'll get, maybe I'll, outgrow that desire for people to know that but that's probably some leptorotoxic shit but I do want people to know that that is the case um, because I want people to know that my kindness is a decision that I make as opposed to some kinds of orientation something that I can't help but doing um yeah, and I think that's important for me. And the act of allowing myself to be affected by what I perceive, um, to rebrand and accept and amplify and reorient myself to um, a profound sensitivity has been monumental in achieving that. 
And, you know, I guess this is where I shout out my friends, people that have supported me in it, uh, people that have rode with the change because it is an energetic shift. Um, and I guess I apologize for the, to the people that I haven't really introduced that um, to because there are a lot of people that haven't seen that change. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, I'm not really that impressed about it, but... Um, yeah, and I think that's it for me um, today. I just wish y'all the best. I want you guys to, you know, reflect and think about the best versions of yourself, what you needed as a child, what you needed as a young adult, whatever, whatever, whatever. And whatever language or proxy or whatever you want to use to get to the best version of you, do that. Um, and I guess I'm just advocating for a sensitivity rebrand for the, mostly the men, but, you know, it's not... I talked about it as masculinity, but there's there's a strong contingent of like woman of womanhood or femininity that um, has the same thing because we 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 have demonized sensitivity in women particularly. You know, we highlight it, we stereotype them as being especially sensitive, and then we deem them as weaker or whatever as a result of that. So you do have an ice queen contingent, um, an unfeeling contingent. And I personally know tons of women that are genuinely um, emotionally, um, I'm going to say unavailable, but that's not the word that I mean, that are, that, that are not sensitive in the way that I've defined it, um, that, are, that are not affected um, by what they perceive, um, and, you know, project and have become people that have to be taught compassion, that have to be taught to attend to what they see, attend in both ways. Um, so it's not gendered necessarily. I have gendered it in this conversation, um, because of the clip one and because I'm kind of thinking a lot about how I have manifest, you know, toxic toxic masculine traits. But it's not necessarily um gendered. But anyway, have a lovely, lovely week. I'ma finish my tea and I'ma turn I think I wanna have a little, you know, dance party before I have to go work. But um I love you all. Oh, and just as an update, I'm working on tons of music. I'm trying to write this show. I'm behind. I decided to start writing a book, so that is crazy according to my current current workload. But yeah, I just wanted to share that exciting things are going on um, with me. And maybe I'll talk more about that next.